Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. All right, fellas. Let's stop and talk about water bottles. Folks, after more than a year of dreaming, researching, experimenting, late-night conference calls, and early Saturday morning meetings, the Me Team is happy and proud and proud to present to you the Me Bottle. This double-insulated, reusable, stainless steel bottle disinfects water in a 60-second cycle utilizing UCV LED technology and is 99.99% effective against E. coli. A single charge via micro-USB lasts up to 30 days, and the bright LED display lets you know when water is, quote, ready to drink, unquote. Let us join us in bringing clean water to all. Raise your bottle and drink to you and me. Find out more at mebottle.com. All right, gang, let's start the show. Come in. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, you have a nasty habit of surviving. Well, you know what they say about the fittest? of the Young Persons Radio, this and every Sunday here on Radio Free Brooklyn, hosted by me, Colby Smith, until the 11 o'clock hour, at which point we will be followed by Two Thumbs Undecided, the movie review show, then at noon, the Brooklyn Conversation with Rosie, then at 1 p.m., Objection to the Rule, Radio Free Brooklyn's answer to the Sunday morning political talk show circuit. So we have literally every possible interest you could have is getting talked about At some point today on Radio Free Brooklyn, so keep that dial tuned, keep that player tab open on your browser, keep that RFB app running in the background of your Android or Apple device, available wherever you get your apps, as you go about your Sunday. Our number, 718-928-9732, that's 718-928-9732 if you'd like to call in at any point during the show, and I certainly suggest you do. Why? Because we have a big, oh, we have a big plan for today. My guest is no stranger to listeners of this program or of Radio Free Brooklyn in general. He is the host of the Jerry Curl Chronicles, which airs every Wednesday at 8 p.m. here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Let's get him in here. Mike Joseph. Hey, hey, Colby, what's happening? Does my mic sound weird to you? It does not sound weird at all. Thank you. God. Does it sound weird to you? <laughs> First question. Does my mic sound weird? <laughs> <laughs> sounds unweird. Sounds a little tinny to me. Oh, well, it sounds fine. Okay, good. Yeah. Maybe you have a lot of energy fun. this morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm hyped. Why are you hyped? I had half of a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have some days where like coffee just like does not affect me in the least, or I could drink like a full cup before I go to bed and just sleep fine. I am. I've that. got days like today where. Boy, oh boy, am I ready to take it. Yes, <laughs> take yes. It. You are you're locked yeah, and loaded. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So, Mike, what's going on with you? Uh, I'm I'm great. 
Uh, I, I, it's lovely to be here at this ungodly hour. Um, <laughs> you and most of the listening audience. <laughs> yes. Same. Yes. Well, most of the listening audience, I would imagine, is in their home or yeah. bed or wherever they are. Yeah. Um, this is the show for early risers. Well, it's also daylight savings time, so technically this is 11, 11 o'clock. Yeah, they have no yeah. excuse anymore. Yeah, you should be listening to New Young Persons Radio. If you're radio. still asleep at 11 o'clock, or what your body thinks is 11 o'clock, on a Sunday, <laughs> yeah, nothing you've been, for you, friend. Yeah, I, you must have gone really hard last night if you're still asleep right now. <laughs> and respect for that. Yes, indeed. The key is, I think, stay up late, get up early, nap during the day. Yeah, I'm a big nap fan. Do that all again. Nice. Do it all again. That's the life I would love to live. I am here for but naps. Can't. Well, you know, we we all, we have jobs and things that we need to do unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So, uh I like to think that one day there's a place I can go that will let me do that. It's called retirement. That's Colby. what yeah, that's what retirement <laughs> will be for me. Yeah. I just have to wait several <laughs> years. Yeah, I'm never going to retire. I love working too much. I mean, I love working, Mike. I, I mean, I enjoy working as well. But well, you have a cool job. I mean, even if I, well. We won't get into it yeah. too much. But, <laughs> but just so people know, uh, if you think Mike sounds cool on the air. I don't know about that. You will know that he carries that to his working life as well. <laughs> I enjoy my job very much. <laughs> now, you are here because you and I have a mission today. We do. And that is, we are going to talk about. The book release of the season, <laughs> which is the Elton John memoir, Me. Me. Very simple title. Written by the man himself, but also ghost written by GQ's former music editor, Alex Pedritus. See, I was not aware of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Apparently it was written uh, uh, in much the way we are doing now, where uh, Alexis Pedritus would ask Elton John questions. and. Uh, he would speak into a tape recorder, and that uh, was all transcribed and rearranged by uh, Mr. Pedritus. Sweet. Or awesome. Pedritus. I wonder how he says it. Eh, we should call and ask him. Yeah. Anyone have his number? <laughs> <laughs> so you, I know, were not like a huge fan uh, uh, of EJ's before reading this. I'm a fan of Elton John. Casual fan. Yeah, but I'm not like a... Uh... I don't know what the, I'm not a like super reverent yeah big fan sure. like I like I me. wouldn't go see Elton John in concert unless somebody gave me tickets you wouldn't go see him six times for example that's impressive Colby <laughs> what is it I mean what is it about Elton John that makes you such a big fan you know this is a question I ask myself constantly because I don't know the answer uh there's just something about the vibe that works for me I think there's uh there's just like a, a wistful quality to so many of the songs uh, that resonates. Um, and I just find them so aesthetically pleasing. Uh, I like that it's a piano driven also. I okay. think that makes it sound unique. Uh, I mean, guitar is such a huge part of his sound too. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think they're, they're because of like who he is and his like classical training and all this is that they're constructed in such a unique way and they sound so idiosyncratic. Even though I don't think... I think a rock critic might argue that uh, Elton John doesn't really have an original sound in the way that like Lou Reed does or Bruce Springsteen does or Bob Dylan or any of the like the major people. Um, but I really think he is unique. I mean, that is, I think yeah. he's unique, too. You know when an Elton John song is coming on. I think so. Uh, yeah. So I, I 
you know, they I just I, sound right to me, Mike. He has wonderful, wonderful songs. I could name 20 Elton John songs that I yeah. absolutely love. Yeah. Um, but he's always to me been kind of like, uh, I've never gone out and bought an Elton John album, mm-hmm. but there are a million songs. If I hear them on the radio or, I mean, Elton John to me is very like greatest hitsable. Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just need like four re- records to hold all of the hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's kind of how I feel about <laughs> yeah. Elton John. I know there really, there was like a box set that came out last year, the year before it was like three CDs of like, it was like career spanning yeah. hits. And I was still looking at it just being like, Oh, they left off hockey cat. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I hear that. I hear that. Um, but I also think like you, what you, what you're as far as like the, the number of hits the guy has had. I mean, it's an astonishing it is. run. It is. Uh, and I've been thinking about this part of it as far as like longevity goes, because I, I read this book and Bruce Springsteen's book in very quick succession. Okay. And it's very interesting to me how, and I never really thought about this, how for both of them, the later halves of their career are really important in defining their legacy. Like the very fact that they're still around and like, sticking it out and being active has like kept them kind of in the public consciousness. Like I think if, I think if Elton John had like retired from touring, like he threatened to in, in <laughs> the late seventies and just like never did anything after that, it might be the kind of thing where we like hear candle in the wind on the radio and we're just like, Oh neat. Right. But I don't think we would think of him as like a legendary star in the same way. It would kind of just be like a flash in the pan kind of right. deal. He would have been the biggest, you know, one of the biggest stars of the 70s, and that would have been it. But Elton yeah. John's had hits in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and yeah. 2000s. Yes. So that just grows the legend uh, so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild. Um, anyway, let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the book. General thoughts. I thought it was really well written. I, I did not know about the whole transcribing thing. Yeah. It makes sense because it's it really sounds, unlike a lot of other memoirs and biographies, it really sounds like his voice. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like the the it's coming from Elton John. Yeah. Um, I think his story is pretty fascinating. Uh, just sort of growing up in, you know, World War II era Britain um, and, you know, gigging and being kind of like a side musician for many years for pretty much anybody who rolled through England, whether it be, you know, Patti LaBelle or, or yeah. whoever it was. Um, and then, you know, just kind of sort of stumbling into success in America almost by accident. Yeah. Uh, and not having like an ego or, you know, feeling full of himself about that. Like he just come, Elton John comes across the kind of person that I would have a beer with. Yeah. Um, which which I is shocking. Yeah, which I wasn't expecting from the book because, you know, Elton John just seems kind of, I mean, fancy and kind of demanding and kind yeah. of diva-ish, but it, 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 he comes across in the book really, really down to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole beginning stretch where he's talking about, like, basically being a side musician in a million bands and for a million artists uh, in, like, the late 60s in Britain is, I think, the best part. Of it's, the book. it's a really it's a, probably the most fascinating part of for the me book. Yeah, yeah totally because it's like it's again i read this in bruce springsteen book in close proximity and it's like you really get a sense from that how small england is compared to america yes because like like bruce talks about like playing up and down new jersey in the 60s like at the same time 
And England is essentially the size of two New Jersey stacked right. on top of each other. <laughs> right. So like he knew everybody, like everybody knew everybody. Like he and Rod Stewart and Mark Bolin are all just like, they're all playing in the same bands. They're all like, like opening for each other's bands. And like they would see each other at record stores and right. like at the pub, you know? And you, it's like one of the most extraordinary things about the book to me is how well he paints the picture of like the British music scene at that time and how like relatively insular it was and how like good his memory is. Like he paints yeah. the pictures of like, like bills at different at like specific clubs and just like knows them by name and just like oh yeah the crowd this night in like 1965 was like pretty rough yeah that's <laughs> insane that is insane. nuts that he remembers that yeah it is uh his recall is pretty great yeah. um and it seems like he's pretty spot on like again i've read some memoirs where you can tell like their memories a bit off yeah but this definitely seems like it's on point yeah so that that is so fit because he's like so larger than life now as a as like an entity that th- thinking of him in the context of like part of a scene with other musicians, musicians yeah. is really interesting yeah. to me. Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautifully rendered passage. I, I, I think so. I agree. Yeah. He also talks about and that like that's when he was his most obsessive about music. Like he yeah. was just like he would like not hang out with people at night just so he could go home and like listen to the latest releases and he would like keep notebooks of like how well yeah, things were doing like that that's the key to being successful <laughs> like that, you gotta obsess over shit yeah that made my heart sing i am yeah. similarly uh, a music obsessive uh when i was a kid i made charts and kind of did all that stuff yeah um and i still i collect records um pretty prodigiously yeah uh and i've actually uh come across Elton John a couple of times. I used to work at Tower Records here in New York City. Oh, really? And he was a customer. And Famously. Yes. Yeah. And Elton John would come in with his security person or security people and just buy shit tons upon shit tons of CDs. <laughs> like probably spent more on CDs in a week than I make in a year. Um, but he definitely, that's true to life. Like he is a record shopping aholic. Yeah. And uh, is totally plugged into you know at least as of the mid 90s was plugged into modern music oh yeah yeah it's one of the things that he talks about in interviews to this day is like you know people he's listening to i think he he is rare in that he is like really inspired by young musicians yeah and not like threatened by them yeah um i think that's awesome i do too yeah but it's what it's one of the things that like keeps him going i think and like sets him Apart from the pack, is that, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's stuck still a in fan. His, yeah, he's not stuck in his legend. Yeah, he uh, he loves music, and I think it, like again, it just sort of the regular personness of him kind of shines through in his writing. Definitely, definitely, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it is. It reminds me. So I also read Phil Collins' book maybe okay. like a year and a half ago. Gotcha. And it might. I have be not a, read this one. Okay, it might be a British thing, but British musicians memoirs are always so like relatable mm-hmm. and salt of the earth kind of yeah. like no matter how big the celebrity of the person is they just seem like cool regular people totally yeah yeah i i did you read the bruce springsteen book i did not i i okay. got a copy of the bruce springsteen book and i think i lent it to somebody and never got it back gotcha so. okay yeah yeah i don't know how regular he comes across in it okay he he he's kind of like exactly what you would think or at least this is he he wrote every word of that thing guaranteed there's like no there's definitely no ghostwriter <laughs> involved here uh but it's like he it's like warts and all like he just comes across as like a deeply serious 
person. Right. Like, uh, I'm sure he, if, if we're like using the get a beer with analogy, like he'd have some fun stories and would probably laugh a lot. But I think he like takes, I think he's like thinks very deeply. About, yes. Uh, about things and probably I think between the two of them uh, uh, EJ is the the better hang by yeah, far yeah Elton, Elton would just gossip <laughs> he'll gossip hours. the whole time yeah there are so many I was gonna save this for later but it's such a natural segue yes uh, we, we talked about preparing like funniest moments yes from I have I have a couple do you have ones that come I, to I, mind I do we and might, might even match. have some of the yeah. same ones yes yeah. let's do it these are funniest moments from the Elton John memoir do you, you want to go first I'll go first yes okay. number one for me this is early 70s. He and his manager and then boyfriend, John Reed, say they're going to go see Liberace <laughs> in London. Yes. Elton decides instead to come out to his mom that night, skips the concert to call her and deal with all that. Liberace thinks he's still coming and is like, we have a very special guest here, everybody. I love his album. Please give it up for Elton John. Stand up, Elton. And then like a spotlight goes over the balcony where he's supposed to be sitting and no one's there. And people are applauding. And Liberace's just like, don't be shy, Elton. This goes on for like 15 minutes. Oh, Which is boy. The fun, just him being him having no idea and just being like, come on, come on. We know you're there, Elton John. Come on. That's number one. For me. Uh, number one for me, uh, I am a huge Michael Jackson fan. Okay. I was and, hoping uh, we'd get to this. Yes. Yeah. And there is a story uh which doesn't it only really tangentially involves Elton. Yeah. So Elton was really good friends with Freddie Mercury. Yes. And uh Freddie Mercury at one point was very good friends with Michael Jackson. And there's a story about Freddie Mercury going to Michael Jackson's house. Yeah. And uh A one hilarious thing is that Freddie Jackson or Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Boy, if only. <laughs> Freddie Mercury basically had a, a a female name for every one of his male friends. Yes. So yeah. Michael Jackson was Mahalia Jackson, <laughs> and apparently Michael wanted Freddie to help him clean up like the animal cages or something like that. Yeah. And uh, Freddie did it, but Freddie was wearing a, a white suit and apparently got himself sullied by the dirt of animals, llamas or whatever, yeah. at Michael Jackson's pre-Neverland abode. And, uh, you know, Freddie was just kind of being, you know, uh, a, a posh, you know, <laughs> you know, kind of, God damn it, Mahalia, I don't want to clean your fucking animals, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, I don't remember the exact verbiage Freddie used, but <laughs> just the idea of Freddie Mercury calling Michael Jackson Mahalia <laughs> is hilarious. And I've always kind of wondered, because I knew that they had a friendship like, what did they talk about? Because they just seemed so very opposite I to one another. Imagine. I can't yeah. imagine. I also, like, there's another story about Michael Jackson in the book where, yes. like, they were, at, they were, like, all at lunch, and he just, like, wouldn't say a word to anyone, and then he, like, disappeared for a while, and then they found him, like, playing video, video games, games in yeah. the corner. Yeah. And it's just, like, he could not handle adult interactions yep. at all. Yep. Like, I can't imagine. Him. What, what would he talk about with Freddie, Freddie Mercury? Mercury? Because I'm pretty sure Freddie Mercury was not going to talk down to him. No. Like, Michael was going to have to meet him on his level. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, the mind wanders. The book also paints Freddie Mercury talking about, like, people who would be fun to hang out with. Oh, God. As just, like, the best I would, dude. I, I, there, there, would be, there would be arrests, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> there would be arrests. Just, like, talking shit constantly. Yes. Freddie Mercury. Yes. <laughs> One time he called Elton John, and the first thing he said was, 
was, have you heard Mrs. Bowie's new album, darling? What's yeah. she thinking? Yes. <laughs> on, I think it was on his deathbed, literally. Yeah, right. Yes. Right, right. Uh, which is crazy. Um, but yes, Freddie Mercury would have been a, an amazing hang, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole book, anytime Freddie Mercury is mentioned, it's just like... Turns into a party. So yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That guy. Oh, my God. Did you see the Queen movie? I did not see Me Bohemian either. Rhapsody. I heard bad things about Me it. Me too. Okay. Have you, so you have not seen I it either. I have not yet had the courage to watch it. One of us is going to have to do it, Colby. I know. If you saw the Queen movie, give us a ring. Yes. 718-928-9732. That's 718-928. No, no, yeah, 718-928-9732 is the number. Good Lord. I just, it's early, man. I don't know how many times I have to fucking practice doing that <laughs> it's all right there's a lot of numbers right. in that number <laughs> get it right yeah but uh queen and elton john movies same director Dexter oh interesting Fletcher. okay yeah did you see the rocket man i've not seen i do actually do want to see rocket man i would say that's pretty fun i guess okay i was gonna say don't bother but it's really not that bad yeah i mean it's, it's is it on streaming services yet? i think it is now on hbo maybe okay anyway all right yeah all right yeah not something i would pay 17 dollars to see <laughs> no. um no. but if i'm sitting at home in my jammies and you know it's cold outside and i don't have anything else to do yeah then i'll watch it yeah 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 give it a shot yeah all right where does this book rank among the other rock bios you've read is it closer to the top closer to the middle of the pack it's pretty close to the top okay. I'm, I'm i'm sure there are excuse me i'm sure there are some that i like better yeah uh, I'm just kind of struggling trying to think of uh, which ones they are right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've there have been a lot of actually uh, musician memoirs that have come out in the last maybe month or so. Hmm. Uh, there is a Prince memoir. There is an uh, Andrew Ridgely from Wham uh, wrote a Ooh, memoir. Okay, uh, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers just put uh, his book out. Uh, and I've read. I just finished. Well, I'm like 85 percent of the way through the Prince book, which is actually very, very, very good. That's awesome. Um, the Andrew Ridgely book, not so much. Uh, and I'm sure the Flea book will be entertaining just because he just seems like a very, very entertaining fellow. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. The Elton John was the one I probably had the lowest expectations for and ended up yeah. liking much more than I expected to. Yeah, yeah. I think you really just get a sense of like his, like like the fullness of his life. Like no, no, no secrets are kept right. in this one. Yeah, it uh, feels very... It doesn't feel uh, like meticulously managed or anything like that. It's it definitely feels like he's just like this is my life and you know you can go with it or not go with it, but I'm not going to hold anything back. Yeah, yeah. Um, another funny moment from the book. I wanna I wanna look this up because I want to get the the quote exactly right. Okay, it's when he's talking about losing his hair. Ha! Ah, yes. Which rules? Yes. <laughs> He, as, as someone who has lost most of his hair, I can relate to this. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. None uh, whatsoever, Colby. So here it is. Some people are blessed with the kind of face that looks good with a bald head. I am not one of these people. Without hair, I bear a disturbing resemblance to the cartoon character Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that Elton John is aware of Shrek is the fact that Shrek is a readily available reference to his mind is so funny to me. These kids. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good point. Maybe he's watching it with his with his boys. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I respect that. Anyway, I, just imagine I, you go see uh, go to an Elton John concert and Shrek ambles out on stage. I, I mentally like, pictured 
what Elton John without hair. Swamp. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that checks out. Like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it do. It two, do. Two points for self-awareness, Elton John. Number three on my list. Okay. Three of three. Okay. This is during one of his first, this is, I think, 1974, this happens. Uh, this is during his first uh, uh, um, experimentation with cocaine before it gets way out of hand. Mm-hmm. Is the Rolling Stones ask him to come on. Oh, I know this. I remember this. To story. play, to guest, to play keyboards on one song. Yes. He decides to stay for the entire rest of their set. Oops. Not a good idea, Elton uh, John. That is, that's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> They're just getting yes. increasingly annoyed at him. I mean, if Keith Richards is looking at you sort of dangerously, I feel like that's a sign to leave. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Even now, with Keith Richards being 148 years old, like, I still feel like if he gave me like a menacing look, I would just exit as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yes, one hundred percent. Yep. Any more from your uh, from your list? Um, I I enjoy the, I guess the first time Elton got hair plugs put in mm-hmm. and hit his head on the side of a car or something like that, and it, I just I love the fact that he doesn't hold anything. Like even if stories that are ridiculously embarrassing for him, yeah. he just tells them. Um, and one thing I found not necessarily funny but fascinating is just the fact that he says that he had no concept of what what gay was Mm -hmm. until he was very much an adult oh yes um and just had like no concept really of like adult sexuality at all um which pre-internet pre television being kind of all over the place i i Mm -hmm. I guess maybe sort of makes sense yeah but it it just kind of like baffles me oh it's wild it's one of the most because he's such as he's one of the most famous homosexuals yes (laughs) in history and him talking about just being like so naive about it which i guess is like he paints a pretty convincing picture of of how repressed 1950s england is uh much less if you're you know part of a marginalized group like that right Uh, but um, uh, it, it's one of the most fascinating insights he has is just how uh, he was like, yeah, there like there was like a gay scene in London, but you know it was like not talked about. He wasn't really plugged into it. Uh, he like it didn't even like occur to him to think about when he was like a young man, right? You know, right. it's crazy. Yeah, it's it, it, nuts, it, it, baffling. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny too because it's almost like he. It's almost like he went like he reverse engineered it. Like he, he like found himself being a being like interested in these things and only after the fact was he like, Oh, I'm gay. By the way, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like he wasn't around. Like he tells these stories about Long John Baldry mm-hmm. and he was around people who were queer. It just never occurred to him that he might be, but apparently there were plenty of people that knew before he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. That, so. That's a, that's a super fascinating also. Is right. that like he agreed. He tells a story. This is the the story essentially this behind the song Someone Saved My Life Tonight, which uh, is my favorite song. Is it your his. favorite Elton John song? It really song? is. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a great song. I think it's perfect. <laughs> it's a pretty awesome song, Colby. I love it. Um, and uh, he's just like, yeah, he like uh, agreed to marry this woman and uh, 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 was just like, whatever, like, I'm not super into it, but like, this is what you're supposed, supposed to, do. to do. Yeah. And like all of his friends were just like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you doing? Right. Right. 
And he was like, I don't know. It's like, this is what you're Isn't supposed to do. Isn't this what you're do? supposed yeah. to do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, this also, this is another super interesting uh, thing that happens is in the in the mid 80s when he gets married to a woman for real. Yes. Uh, does not back out of it this time. Uh, he, he marries a, a record engineer. Um, like I think she's Swiss or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they 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 stay married for four years. Um, and uh, he essentially makes this case where he's like, I was so unhappy. I just wanted to try anything. Right. And uh, something about like he goes through the like mental gymnastics he had to make until, uh, uh, you know, he could rationalize this for himself. But I think it's so fascinating uh, how he was able to justify it. It is pretty fascinating. I think a lot of particularly in the 70s and 80s and maybe even through like the early 2000s, uh, a lot of gay men did that mm-hmm. um, just because, you know, it wasn't socially acceptable and a lot of people were afraid of AIDS and all of this other stuff. It just sort of made sense to try to like force themselves into heterosexuality mm-hmm. uh, to sort of keep themselves alive or make themselves happy or whatever it is. Um, so I, I, I don't think the story is that uncommon, yeah. but the fact that he was already out and then got married to a woman while well, he was out as bisexual. Right. Um, so it, I don't know. It just, it's, it is kind of a, an interesting story. Yeah. Did you see this documentary Scotty and the secret history of Hollywood? No. You see this, this is uh, uh, kind of in like the same uh, kind of ballpark. This documentary about this guy, Scotty Bowers, who is still alive. He's like in his 90s, but essentially was like a pimp to the stars uh, <laughs> in like classic Hollywood, like 50s, early 60s, uh, uh, when, you know, it was c- completely out of the question for anyone to be openly gay at right. all. But the whole, it, he just like tells all these personal stories about like arranging for meetups, like covert meetups between like Cary Grant and his boyfriend and like, lesbian lovers for Catherine Hepburn and like all this stuff. And like all of these stories were like discredited when they were coming out at the time. Right. Because you know, it was there. Everybody had a fixer too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but now it's like all coming out and he's like, he's just, it, the documentary paints him as just like this beautiful man with this like very human spirit. He's just like, he's just like, everybody just wanted love. <laughs> like, right. I was able to do that for them. Like, why would I be ashamed of like what I did? And, uh, uh, I don't know. It it made me think of that. I thought that was nice. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think those stories kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. That sounds like an interesting documentary, too. I got to check that out. Everybody should check it out. Matt Tiernauer is the director. Who also directed the Studio 54 documentary, which is also really good. Okay. Speaking of EJ. Colby, you are going (laughs) to make me, I'm going to just spend a whole day watching (laughs) movies that you're recommending. Giving you lots of homework. Yes, uh, indeed. Today, Mike. Uh, Oh, you have a call. First caller of the day. Caller, you're on with me and Mike Joseph. Hey, Colby! Hey, you know this hey, guy. Hey, Mike, how's it going, bud? What's happening? It's Tim Keck. Oh, hey, dude. Oh, What's going on? Not much, man. Just going for a nice early morning stroll. I was thinking of an opportune moment to call, but honestly, I'm loving the convo. Didn't really want to interrupt. Aw, Tim. You're awesome, Tim. You're sweet, guy. You're sweet to say that. <laughs> Good stuff. I love Elton John. I, uh... I was going to ask to borrow the Elton John book, but now it really seems like I don't have to. I'll just get the highlights. Uh, <laughs> oh, there are there are plenty more highlights. There are, yeah. I'm almost done with it, so you can you can have it. <laughs> oh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I did like what you were talking about, where you're saying, like, like he's still around, which makes him more relevant, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, uh, I was thinking, like, you know, how uh, would Michael Jordan be the best basketball player of all time if people weren't still wearing his shoes? 
you know? Because ah, the more you look, you like see Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's like he's found ways to stick around even though he's not playing. Oh yeah, he was. Elton John was just on the cover of some uh, some uh, some magazine with your other bud, Lana Del Rey. That's right. That? right. Rolling, yeah. Stone. Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Correct. Oh my gosh. And speaking of, you know, we were talking earlier about how how plugged in he is. There's a moment at the beginning of the interview where he uh, mentions how many copies her album has sold to her, and she was like. It's up to that already. Like he knew, <laughs> he knew before she did. Like <laughs> how well it was doing. <laughs> I appreciate the obsessive Which, nature of Elton John. Seriously, he's sticking. Man, the guy rules. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a huge dirt. He seems like a really like just sweet dork. Yeah, uh, I think that is exactly like right. Boy. I yes. think that's this is I think the thing I connect to most about him is that he is such a deeply uncool man, <laughs> and yet he's like. The, one of the biggest rock stars of all time. You got to make your own kind of cool. Exactly. Yeah. He he's yeah. just he, like he's the opposite of every like thing that you're supposed to do in rock music. Like he plays the piano instead of the guitar. So much of it is like about like a masculine pose, and you know he's dressing up like Donald Duck, Donald Duck. Uh, and uh, uh, doing everything. And like you know, I just think he's that's awesome. He's like just like a, a, a he's a sweet dork. You're exactly right, Tim. He's a sweet dork. Who is more talented than everyone? Yes, <laughs> low key. The world needs more sweet dorks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's what everyone always says, which is you just gotta be confident. You gotta own your weirdness. If you're like just so into what you are, people have to respect it. But I also forgot the fact that he's like insanely talented. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best musicians of all time. <laughs> Seriously, uh, that probably doesn't hurt his rep at all. You know. Yeah, I mean, to actually be good on top of all the stuff we're talking about does help a lot Indeed. Uh, as well. There's an amazing clip, and maybe I can find it for, like, going out on the show, where he's, like, in some interview, and he's like, yeah, I could I could write a song to any to anything, basically. He makes this insane call. And so they give him, like, like instructions for a microwave oven, like a, a microwave oven manual, and then he, like, writes a song on the spot, like, with the instructions to setting up this wow. mic. I gotta, I gotta try and find it. That's Wait, awesome. But he doesn't do words, right? No. He usually he, like, does not does write not lyrics. Do lyrics. Yeah. No, it's uh, Bernie Taupin wrote most of the right. lyrics uh, for the song. He also wrote with other people like uh, Gary Osborne, Tim Rice, uh, uh, others we could... Uh, Tom Robinson. But does he, does he just have song. no concept for lyrics? Does he talk about that at all? Or so does he know anything about He talks that? a little bit in the book about um, songs that he like did have input on the lyrics for. I think the biggest one is uh, Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word. He like wrote a big chunk of those lyrics, uh, which is like one of his biggest songs. It's very cool. It's one but of my he's favorite also, Elton John oh, songs. it's so good. Yes. Uh, it's so beautiful. Um, but he basically is just like, you know, he comes out of the system of like the the uh the British equivalent of, of like Tim Pan Alley kind of thing, where like his he got his start by like submitting songs to <clears throat> to Dick James Music uh in London, and he was like, well, like these melodies are good, we don't like the lyrics, like, and he just picks an envelope off the top of the stack and is like, try writing some to these. These are lyrics we got in the mail, and it was Bernie Taupin, and they've been writing together for fifty for years. Fifty years, yeah. Um, uh, so I think it's just like matching. he found a thing that like uh uh like worked for him early on and just kind of stuck with it. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's all it is. I do think though that, uh, this is my theory about the not writing lyrics thing. I think that's why rock critics have not really known what to do with him over the years 
because it's so like so much of like rock writing is like about lyrics and it's like very comes from right. a singer songwriter sure. model. Um, so I don't think they really know how to analyze people yeah. like him even, in the even same Tommy way. Tommy Lee wrote "Girls, Girls, Girls." I mean, the bar's pretty low, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know. But one cool thing I think about Elton John's music is that if you didn't know that he didn't write the lyrics, you would never believe that he didn't write the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Those songs sound so personal, yeah, to him. You know, I think that's a testament to his and Bernie's relationship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you think of a song, uh, you think of anything from, you know, your song to I'm Still Standing, and they all sound like they were sort of plucked from Elton's soul. Yeah. But he didn't write them. Do you have ones that you think are overrated? Me personally? Yeah. I don't know about overrated. I have a very, very strong dislike for Candle in the Wind just because. Yeah. I was uh, working in a record store when Candle in the Wind 1997 came out. <laughs> and, like the biggest single of all time. Yes. And had to hear it just, you know, goodbye, England's roads. Oh, like I, hundreds of that. I felt, felt like hundreds of thousands of times. And I just was like, I can't listen to this song anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I wouldn't know that it's overrated. I just think I've heard it so much that I'm, I can never hear it yeah. again. Well, it's, that's an incredibly corny song yes. it's probably his least fun song right oh yeah. yeah yeah even your song is like a very fun song yeah it's more fun than in candle, candle in the, the wind, wind probably yeah. Yeah. yeah but anything that's been overplayed like there was a long period of time when i didn't like don't let the sun go down on me yeah and i've turned around again on <laughs> it so uh, well know. that's another one that's like covered like every six months it right. feels like right like like every american idol contestant sang it yes. at one point you know like that one, that one I could never hear again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you, know did, you did quickly find the lamest of his songs, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I uh, was watching a video from a buddy at karaoke recently who did the George Michael and Elton John version of Don't Let the Sun Go Down. And I was oh, like, really? damn it, I really like that song now. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Which ones do I think are overrated? Um, I'm Still Standing, probably. I love that song. I like it, too. Uh, but... I don't know. <laughs> I'm out on it at the moment. At sure. the moment. Uh, it's not working for me. Ones I, uh, let's see, that's the one that comes to mind. I'm sure there are others. I mean, Crocodile Rock, probably too. I, I don't take that song. It's just a kind it's of bubblegum. Yeah, yeah, it's a shits and giggles kind of song. Yeah. So. Yeah. Best ones I like are, that. Go ahead. I was go listening ahead. to a lot of uh, Casey Musgraves the other day. Oh, she's so she amazing. She a song called yeah, Wonder great. Woman. Yes. Which is like so corny and lame, but it's also wonderful and catchy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I feel about like Crocodile Rock, Pinball Wizard. It's like, oh, these are like really kind of like lame songs. <laughs> well, uh, Pinball Wizard. Somehow very fun when he's doing them. Pinball Wizard was a cover of a of the, the Who. Who song. Yeah, from Tommy. Um, uh, and Pete Townsend comes up in both this book and the Bruce Springsteen book as being just like a great dude. Uh, he was like really, he was buddy buddy with both of them. Uh, it's just like really like, supportive. Why is that his cover? Well, he was pinball wizard. He was, but it somehow fits exactly into what he is. Even though it was kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a. In hindsight, it's a kind of a very dumb idea and a dumb song. Well, yeah, it's 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 very silly. Yeah. Uh, Well, but he was asked to be in the Tommy movie that the Who made, and was asked to sing Pinball Wizard in the movie, and then after that, they put out just like a single version of it. Uh, So that's why, uh, because it came from the movie business. 
Uh, but it is like, Hollywood. it is kind of a crazy choice in that it's like very bizarre, but also kind of perfect <laughs> for him to sing that song. Uh, similar yeah. to uh, his cover of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds yes. was around the same, which uh, I didn't know this until reading the book. John Lennon sang backing vocals on his cover of that song, which yep. is a fun little passing of the torch. Yes. Uh, yeah. He also makes John Lennon seem like a fun dude, which I'm I, pretty I, sure John Lennon was a pretty fun dude was, to hang out it's with. It's hard to, for me to believe sometimes. Really? <laughs> I can see John Lennon being a lot of fun to hang out with. I feel like John Lennon now would be like the guy uh, uh, pointing out everything wrong with what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. I think if you, you got him, get him drunk. And <laughs> okay, he's a good yeah, hang. Yeah, yeah. But my, my worst impression of John Lennon is that like someone just goes like, oh my God. And he's like, what God? There is no God. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> I know. Like I said, give him. A, I think you give him a few beers. Yeah. Like, tell, he, tell Yoko to stay give home. Give him a few lines. Yeah. And he lightens up, and he's going to be the life of the party. Yeah. There's there's another great moment that one of the stories they tell in the book is of he and John Lennon were like doing coke in a hotel room, and someone knocked on the door, and they looked out, and it was Andy Warhol. Yes. And he wanted to come in and like hang with them, and they were like, "He's got his camera with him. We can't let him take pictures he's, of us doing yep. cocaine." Yep. So they just pretended they weren't there. Yeah. Hilarious. The days before cell phones. Uh, Seriously. Folks. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I found the microwave oven song, by Did the you? way. Did you? Okay. If I play, will you be able to hear this, Tim? If I, I think I, I think you'll be able I to think hear Richard, it. I don't know. Can you hear this? I do. I've heard that you write your songs oh very, Oh, my very God. Quickly. Richard E. Grant is the one asking the question. That's great. Anyway, let's keep going. And, um, I brought some words along and hope that you can put some music. Would you do that? What is it? Um, well, it's from it's the cooking instru the instructions from my oven. <laughs> I'm, gonna skip, I'm gonna skip to the. Front. So he's sitting down at the piano now. He's got the instructions. Conventional oven thermostat. Can you hear this, Jim? Yeah, kind of. Okay. You and your new oven are capable of great things. But remember, no two ovens are the same. Rather than jumping at the deep end with your brand new oven, don't forget it may differ in its cooking characteristics. To your previous model, you say that you take time to read this leaflet fully from cover to cover. Get to know, get to know my key, it's a bad oven. You get to know all there is to know about your new oven before you begin. Preparing your, preparing your, no, this is ridiculous. Your own large watering I'll have to do that one again. We strongly recommend you take time to read this evening. Fully from cover to cover. Get to know all there is to know about your new one. Before you begin preparing your own bad watering meals. Sketchy. Yeah. It may seem like a chore. That was 
Fantastic. Uh, it's moments like these that I love doing the show. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Happens maybe once every three years, but I there's ones like these I love doing the show. It's that that's great. I, that just sent my respect for Elton John up several notches. Uh, and that's why he's our hero. He's he's a, he's a great man. I mean, just you know. Not just from a musical perspective, from a cultural perspective, the stuff that he's done for charity, mm-hmm. um, the amazing work that he's done on behalf of people with AIDS. Oh, yeah. Um, it just seems like a, a solid guy with his heart in the right place. Um, and the heart is now uh, outfitted with a pacemaker because he abused cocaine for <laughs> 20-something years. Um, but still, uh, just a fanta- seems like a fantastic person. Yeah, they've raised some incredible amount of money for AIDS research. I'm looking up. He like mentions the stat in the book. I'm like trying to find the right one now. Right. Anyway, Tim, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Has raised over four hundred million dollars for AIDS research. That is insane. In twenty five years, yeah, yeah, crazy, That's crazy, crazy. It's incredible. I couldn't get a piece of that. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, one more thing as far as we're, we're talking about like legacy goes. So one of his only interviews promoting the book, he was interviewed by uh, British GQ and he makes this insane call in it where he says, uh, uh, he's talking about like other people who have stuck around this long. He mentions Bruce Springsteen and Paul McCartney. And then he says, I mean, they don't work as hard as I do. <laughs> so I did, I did some research. Okay. And I found that he has been on the road playing no less than 70 dates a year since 1997. Good Lord, Elton He's been on the road for 22 years. 2019, he played 150 shows so far. That's more than he's played since 2012, and that was and uh, that was 122. So it's like the same. He's This latter part of his life is like more, he's working harder than he's ever worked. Yeah, that's his show every three nights. That's <laughs> every three nights. That's insane. Like, you're getting up there for two hours, like, just giving your heart and soul, jumping around, playing the piano every third every day third of the night. year. Yeah. 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 Good Lord. He did it. He backed it up. Good good on you, Mr. He Elton John. I mean, saying you work harder than Bruce Springsteen is awesome. Because I've been to Bruce Springsteen. I've been <laughs> yeah. to a Bruce Springsteen show, and he puts on a clinic yeah like it's it's pretty uh, amazing yeah i think that rules yeah <laughs> I think yeah that's great <laughs> hey look you can talk as much shit as you want as long as you can back it up you can back it up that's yeah. right it's a great take i mean he must truly love performing yeah yeah i think you'd have to right i mean there's no way he's working off debts right. yeah he doesn't need the money <laughs> yeah it would also make sense to me that for some artists performing is like not their favorite part of it which seems crazy to me as a uh you know, an aspiring comic. I feel like I'd be all about the performance. Yeah. But I'm sure some people who are just all about the music and just want to be locked up in a mansion and write an album and put the music out and compose it and then like, oh no, I have to go on the road. I yeah. It's like a real thing. Well, I think the famous example of that is the Beatles. Right. The Beatles, like, uh, yep. performing live was like not a big part of their uh, life as a band at all. I mean, they didn't perform live for like the last five years of their existence. Yeah. Yeah. They just like, they just kept tinkering away in the studio yeah. that whole time um which is interesting because like paul mccartney then went on to have this incredible live career yeah, he tours that. his ass off yeah yeah have you seen him ever i've not seen paul mccartney 
I've uh, of those that bunch. I've I've only seen Bruce. I've actually never seen okay. Elton live either. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I've never seen Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah. just out of my price range, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Tim, what's the best concert you ever saw? What's the best concert I ever saw? Oh my gosh! I mean, it's probably got to be an older band. I mean, Elton John's up there probably. I don't think I've been to a, uh, a ton ton of concerts. Me and my dad went to go see. Uh, like Cheap Trick, Heart, and Def Leppard one year. And that oh was my awesome. god. <laughs> that awesome. is the whitest show ever. <laughs> it was wild. And then I think the next year we saw Cheap Trick, because I guess Cheap Trick's from Tampa, so we go to Tampa okay. and Cheap Trick was always there opening for somebody. And yeah. then I think it was Cheap Trick, Poison, and Journey the next year. That's so uh, fucking funny. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, although it's the kind of thing where like I'm like, oh my god, Heart's amazing. Oh my god, Poison's amazing. And then the headliner comes out and you're like, oh, that's why that's why Journey has stood the test of time. That's why Death Leopard's like still around. They're just so incredible. Like some of these older bands, just where you know like all their songs, even if you don't listen to them regularly, it's like it's great. It's so good. It's so good. But I didn't often help the John experience. Yeah, you should tell this story real quick. Okay, real quick. The real quick version of this is I was working at the, like, basketball dome in college, and I was, like, an usher there for basketball games, and it turns out Elton John was coming in concert, so I signed up to be an usher. I get there day of, like, hell yeah, I'm going to watch Elton John. And they're like, sorry, but we don't need any more ushers. And I was like, what about security? And they were like, sure, you can be security. And I was like, okay, cool. What about down here? And then every <laughs> I said I worked my way up security to like the fourth row of the Elton John concert <laughs> uh, on a day that I wasn't even supposed to work. Watched the whole thing like so close to this guy. It was incredible. <laughs> um, so good. <laughs> it was one of the best best days of my life. Yeah, Tim, I respect your concert. hustle. Yeah. What year? Uh, what then, year do we think this was? This was twenty two two uh, thousand nine or ten. Okay, cool, cool. Right, 2009. Just trying to get a mental sense of the set list. And uh, I think I and got a I pretty good picture. I got a letter. I got a letter. It's like the Stephen C. O'Connell Center, and I got a letter in the mail from Miss O'Connell uh, thanking me for my dedication to the center that I was so willing. Even though I wasn't on the schedule, I stuck around and filled the job that they needed. <laughs> which is which No is idea of your ulterior so, motive. So funny to me. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, yeah, that's as far as as far as experiences go, that's like it's going to be tough to beat that one. Yeah, it was pretty great. Yowza. Well, <laughs> way to crush it. <laughs> yeah, I, I you get a round of applause for that one, Tim. Yeah, uh, that hustle. Well, right, you can wrap it up. Yeah, we got to go. We got to go. All right. See you guys. Good, good hearing from good you, Tim. You, yeah, yeah, man. Tim out. Bye, Tim. Tim Keck. There he goes. Seems awesome. Mike, we got to start wrapping the show up. We do. Um, people can listen to the Jerry Curl Chronicles. They can. Every Wednesday. Every eight. Wednesday right here on Radio Free Brooklyn from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. And they can find you on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I can't speak anymore. <laughs> I am on Instagram at the JCC Music, T-H-E-J-C-C-M-U-S-I-C. Nice. Uh, thanks so much for coming today. Colby, so anytime. Fun. Flew this by. Done tons of fun. Yeah. This is why I do a two-hour show and not a one-hour show, because an hour just goes by like that. But I Your abs- show is so fun to do. I'm, I, well, you got to come back. I love listening. I love being on it. Uh, it's really great. We, you are welcome anytime, sir. Yeah. Any parting words for the, for the folks out there? Um, just 
if you haven't read the book yet, get the book. Book's really uh, it's, fun. It's, it's, a, it's a great read. And, uh, you know, there's never anything wrong with an Elton John Greatest Hits album. Nothing. Yeah. So uh, Zero. Just if you if you love music, uh, it's it's a worthwhile experience. And just if you're having trouble getting into it, just picture Shrek <laughs> singing the songs. Picture Elton John painted green with a Scottish accent. Yeah. yeah. It should be no problem. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyway, folks. Uh, uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, stick around for Two Thumbs Undecided, which is coming up uh, very shortly. Um, should and should, there, should we be doing a reading, Colby? Of uh, Because we are a 501c3 nonprofit. Oh, my God. You're absolutely right. Woo-hoo. Do you want to do it? I can do it, sure. You, you do it while I figure out how to end this thing. A sure thing. <laughs> I am happy to do it. Hey, folks, if you don't it's know... Free labor. Yes, it's cool. <laughs> if you don't know, Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit charitable organization. Uh, we Our mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and to promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So, to help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or make a monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Every cent that you donate helps us continue to stay on the air. Once again, that URL is RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. You can also donate to Radio Free Brooklyn by shopping through Amazon Smile. That is Amazon's charity initiative where you can shop and support a nonprofit, nonprofit of your choice at the same time, and it costs you not a damn thing. So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash smile, sign up, have Radio Free Brooklyn as the charity that you are donating to, and start a shopping. The holiday season is upon us. So we know you're going to be on Amazon anyway. Why don't you toss us a couple pennies? We appreciate you so much. See that? Not a word out of place. <laughs> Compare that to my me bottle read at the beginning of the I show. Thought it, I thought your me bottle read was great. And you will see why Mike gets the primetime Wednesday slot. <laughs> and why I am on Sunday morning before anyone is awake but me and Tim Cag. Anyway, folks, and thanks so much. And Mike Joseph. That's right. <laughs> thanks again for coming, Mike. A really Dude, fun talking Colby, to you. Colby, anytime, bro. Hope to come back soon. Uh, Whenever you this want. This is the last track on Goodbye. Well, it's one of the last tracks on Goodbye Elbrook Road. It's the penultimate track. Okay. On Goodbye Yellowbrook Road, everybody. Uh, have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll be back next week with Sophie Alcazian. Bye. <laughs> you know this one? My bulldog is barking down the backyard. Starts kind of low, then it picks up. There's a dead man from his grave. Which song is this? It's called Social Disease. Ah. What I'm doing. How do you sign out of Google Docs? Uh, you just sign out of Google. There's a button in like the right hand, upper right hand yeah, corner. So usually there is, but right now it's not. It says manage my Google account. What's this? Why are we doing this? Oh, that's the All right, bye for real. Human.